Last week we talked about uh, when the Antichrist would rise, and tonight I want to just jump right in and talk about the heart of the Antichrist. That will be the subject tonight, the heart of the Antichrist. Uh, last week we talked about when he, when he would show up on the scene, and uh, we talked about the conditions of our culture and of our, and of our society as what things would look like. Uh, when he begins to come on the scene again, you know, when sin reaches full maturity and full measure, uh, we can pretty <laughs> look at any headlines right now, and you'd be like, uh, "Is that like yesterday?" Uh, so I don't know when he's coming. No one's here to put a date on anything. That's not what we do. But our purpose is to be prepared. This is called preparing for the Lord's coming. Okay talking about multiple subjects, but let's not forget the primary purpose of this isn't so you can know a lot about end times, all right? It's so you can be prepared for no matter what. That's the most important thing. Uh, We talked about the restrainer, went through that a little bit. We talked about how it would be possible that the Antichrist could get the entire world behind him and become a one-world ruler king, a king would arise, the scripture says, and we talked about that last week. Tonight I want to talk about what kind of person this man will be, what the Antichrist is going to be. We're going to look at who he is really inside, because you can put on pretty good, you know, masquerade on the outside that can hide, at least for a while, who you really are on the inside. Um, And the thing about the Antichrist is going to be so slick so slick that the Scripture says he'll deceive, if possible, even the very elect. So that, i tell you what, there's a whole lot of the elect that are not going to be nearly as prepared as you're going to be. And I want to make sure that you are prepared for whatever. Tonight, what you're going to hear when I tell you about what's in his heart, what kind of man he really is, you'll understand even more so why I'm kind of sticking to that moment of why we're being prepared, why we're doing what we're doing. Okay, it's wonderful to do an exposition of Revelation. It's wonderful to do end-time study. One of my good friends said, you do end-time study, man. People will come from everywhere to come to it. And, uh, but it's not about that. It's about you being ready to not being prepared so that you, under no circumstances, can be deceived by this slick individual. Okay? Don't think any one of us, I said us, I didn't point the finger at you, I said us, let's not think that any one of us are immune to his deception. So with that being said, we're going to take a look at this supernatural demonic influence and anointing that's going to be on him, and with that being said, go to Revelation chapter 12, please. We're going to look at a few passages of scriptures. I covet your prayers tonight. I appreciate that. The Antichrist is going to um, appear to have all the good intentions and good heart for society. He's going to look like, I'm telling you what, he's going to look like the answer to everything for just about everybody. He's going to seem like a loving person that's just tolerant of everyone and tolerant of all people groups. He's going to be charismatic. He's going to be attractive. He's going to seem to embrace 
every single person, regardless of their belief system, regardless of their lifestyle choices, he's going to embrace them all. He's going to look like he cares about people like nobody else ever has. Uh, however, what's on the inside of him is going to be completely different than what people are going to see on the outside of him. In other words, as it might be said down south, he ain't going to be what he seems to be, all right, at all. And so I want you to be prepared. Should we still be here? I mean, let's just not stick our heads in the sand. I'm not trying to get into all the whole pre-trib thing or mid-trib or post-trib or pre-wrath, but let's, let's, let's approach this because, not, you know, quite frankly, any one of those rapture positions can be biblically supported in one way or another, right? And so no one knows for certain. Okay? We'll all pray and have this great hope that it happens before all this goes down. <laughs> that would be wonderful. But what if that's not true? What, I mean, let, it, let's just be brave enough to go, well, what if it's not true? And if it's not true, then what must we be prepared for? Better to be prepared and not have to go through it than unprepared and have to go through it. Are you following me? And I think that's a fair assessment without making anybody feel positive or negative about your specific rapture stand, because that's not my point. Um, did I ask you to go to Revelation chapter 12? Yeah. All right, cool. I think I'm there too. Uh, we're going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to read verses 13 and verse 17. And we're going to take a look at a few things about this man of sin, this man of lawlessness, this antichrist. And it says here in verse 4 of chapter 12, before I read it, let me remind you that Revelation is not necessarily written in chronological order. In fact, Revelation goes back and forth from one time period and era to another, and that's why sometimes it's difficult to follow the, the course of Revelation because, I mean, we're about to read something that happened way back in the very beginning here it is in chapter 12 of Revelation. And here, and here it says in verse 4, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, any of you that have a little bit of Bible knowledge, who do you think that's talking about? Huh? Satan, Lucifer, he, 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 he got a third of the angels to side with him, to go against and rebel against God. So now you can see that what... That we're really out of chronological order in Revelation, where now it's going back to the very beginning, even pre-Adam and Eve. And it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Why am I talking about Satan? Well, Satan is, the, is, is who will inhabit the Antichrist, okay? If you will, as God was the father to Jesus, Satan will be the father to the Antichrist, Okay? And the dragon, who that's also known, that's Satan and Lucifer, uh, another name. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Notice it said, verse 4, it said that his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. That's talking about the fallen, fallen angels. Uh, it's very clearly a description of Lucifer, a description of Satan. 
also known in Revelation as the dragon. In verse 4, we see as well, it says that he stood before the woman. In Scripture, the woman always refers to, in this context, refers to Israel. Israel is the woman. And that Scripture was actually fulfilled. So what we see is, uh, going back chronologically to the beginning of time, then we see a fulfillment of that Scripture when Jesus was born. And uh, Israel, metaphorically, gives birth in Jerusalem to Jesus Christ. And Herod, then inspired by Satan, goes about trying to kill all the babies. So that was really Satan's first assassination attempt uh, against Christ. And, um, and he failed. And he even failed on his next attempt, which took place at the cross of Calvary. Uh, he thought he had won, but uh, God raised him from the dead. Amen. And then it ultimately, shortly thereafter, uh, caught Jesus up into heaven. And that's what we see here where it says that her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And so that's kind of the picture here. So now let's keep things in context and let's go to verse 13 in that same chapter. Because the subtitle that I have here is the woman persecuted. Again, who is the woman? Israel. Thank you. And remember, Israel has a key role in all this because Israel was chosen by God to be his special children, his special people. Pre-Gentile, pre-us, it was Israel. Israel didn't choose God. God chose Israel. In fact, he said through Abraham, through Israel, all of humanity would be blessed because of that. And so when it comes down to the final countdown, if I could use that phrase, it's going to be a lot about what God is doing with the Israel, with the woman, all right, in this context. So now when the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, that's right. When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Now go down to verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, powerful. Where am I at here? Sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, yeah. There. What's in the heart of the Antichrist? Well, what's inside of the Antichrist is rage. Rage and hatred. Rage and hatred for Israel and her offspring, the church. Okay? This is important to understand. Uh, through the Antichrist, Satan will take out his rage on Israel, and he'll take out his hatred and his rage on the church as well, on the children of the, of the child. And, of course, the child was Jesus. That's who was talking about in this passage of Scripture. So the wrath of Satan is against the woman, Israel, and the rest of her, ch- her children, which is the church. And uh, his hatred and rage is going to be against Israel and all believers. He wants Israel... And all believers destroyed, done away with. He's been trying to do away with Israel, the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation, for millennia, over and over again. The closest that it came was probably in the Holocaust with Adolf Hitler, where many people actually thought he might be the Antichrist at that time. But it wasn't God's time. So the Antichrist, quite frankly, is going to appear loving 
And in the very beginning, so did Adolf Hitler. I mean, he had an answer for a broken nation, a nation of unrest, a nation of economic collapse, and he came in a little at a time and began to preach his message of restoration and peace and economic, you know, bounty, and it was just a little bit here and a little bit there, and he had to kind of feather his way in for the people to have a familiar message for him, for him finally to be able to stand up and do one of the most horrible atrocities that's ever been done, and people just looked the other way. Sometimes we, we wonder, how could that happen? Well, let me just say something. The Antichrist is going to make Adolf Hitler look like Mickey Mouse. Okay? So why would he be so enraged at the Christians, especially at the end times? Because it's going to be Christians that are going to be, uh, at least a remnant, are going to speak out against the sin, are going to speak out against the wrongdoing, and are going to stand up for truth. Come on, somebody from Resurrection Life Church. We're going to stand up for the truth because we are going to love the Lord and uh, 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 even unto death, and we'll overcome by, by what? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, but we are going to, we're not going to, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to bow to Pharaoh. We're not going to bow to Caesar. We're not going to bow to Hitler. We're not going to bow to the Antichrist. Oh, heavens, but there will be some, prayerfully not here, that will. And that, and therein lies my angst and my passion for preparing the saints. The deception of Satan through the Antichrist is going to be a false love because it's going to look like he is absolutely filled with love. It's going to be kind of a familiar message, a message that we've really started hearing over the course of the last few years, which is, you know, it's not no judgment. God is not going to send anybody to hell. He, he, he's a God of love. How could a God of love ever do such a thing? I mean, we just need to love everybody. It doesn't really matter how you live or what you do. Just, just love everybody. All you need is love. Thank you very much. I knew it was going to, I knew it was going to come from somewhere. <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't matter how you live. Doesn't matter what you do. Uh, doesn't matter how you believe, what you believe, what religion you are, because there are many paths to God, as they would say. We know there's only one way. What's that way? Jesus Christ. But people who will stand and say, there's only one way Jesus Christ will be said of you that you are filled with hate and not filled with love. Well, the Antichrist won't make any, distinct, any distinction or discrimination about lifestyle. I mean, everybody's included. He's going to welcome all lifestyle choices, male, female, somewhere in between, undecided, Whatever the case may be, even my statement right there was snarky and somewhat intolerant. The Antichrist will be completely tolerant and will appear to be completely loving. Um, and it's going to be like political correctness on nuclear steroids. That's what it's going to look like. Okay, let me say that again. The Antichrist is going to look like political correctness on nuclear steroids. All right? He's going to appear more loving than the Christians. 
He's going to appear more loving than you or I. But deep down inside, remember, he's filled with something. Rage and hatred at the child of the woman and her offspring and those who have the testimony of the child, Jesus Christ. That's you and me, by the way. He hates you. He hates me. He hates the church. He hates Israel because he knows God chose Israel. He hates humanity because humanity ended up with his job. If you remember, he was in heaven, the cherub, anointed angel, more beautiful than any of God's creation in heaven, filled with the tabrets and pipes and orchestration in his body. It was like he was the very first worship leader that ever was, and he led worship throughout all of heaven. And when God would call forth the people, and this is my picture, you know, Lucifer would spread his wings and the sounds of the heavenly course would happen, and all the people would bow before God, and Lucifer looks at God and says, just sitting there on that chair. You ain't done nothing. I want to be like you. In fact, I want to be you. See, that's been since time before time. So God says, well, I'm going to cast you to the earth. And Jesus said, I saw Satan, Lucifer fall like a lightning bolt, right? I think that's in Luke. And and then he created uh, mankind with one purpose in mind, to worship him. He got fired, kicked out of the factory, and then God made a new creation and said, well, I'm going to give them that job to love me and to exalt me and to honor me. And he hates you and me for it. I don't think we ever stop to think so. And I kind of got off on a bunny trail that's not about end times, but that's about why he, one of the fundamental reasons why he detests you. And I don't think we stop at times to go, and this isn't anything to be fearful of, but to understand that Satan literally hates you and me. He'd do anything he can to get you to deny Christ. Anything. To doubt Christ. Even just a little. That's his deal. Let me deceive. Oh, and if I can deceive a great saint of God, man, I got a notch in my demonic gun for that one. So let's understand, and you know, I've made this statement a few times before. Does the worship that you're doing enough to make Satan like you less? That's a whole other message, but let me move on. So he's going to appear more loving than you or I, but deep down inside he's going to be filled with rage. What he's going to do is deceive the world. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, and I think this will be up there, it says, and through his cunning he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. The Antichrist is going to appear benevolent and loving and caring for everybody, but inside he's going to be as dark as can be and malevolent as possible with a goal of doing one thing, wipe out Israel and the church. Wipe out Israel and the church. So it's very critical that you and I know the truth. That's what this whole series is about. Now, well, let's see, let's have midweek service. What can I talk about? Ooh, end times. No. This whole coming to a midweek service was all, I believe, established by the timing of God with the timing of everything that's happening in our society and the things he was birthing in my heart to begin to prepare the remnant 
Don't want to forget all of you online today. Thank you so much for joining, and you're included in, in the remnant. Amen. Uh, let's see, where are we at? Um, Daniel chapter 8. Let's go there. Daniel, Daniel chapter 8, verse 24 and verse 25. We read this last week, and we're going to read it again. Uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. Just holler, I love the word when you get there. All right, very good. And it says in verse 24 of the 8th chapter of Daniel, just stalling until you can get there. All right. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Where does he get his power from? Very, that's right, from Satan. And he shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive he shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people, Israel and the church. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall extol himself in his heart. Sounds a little bit like before creation, right? He extolled himself in his heart over God. And he'll destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. Who is the prince of princes? Jesus, but he shall be broken without human means. That means because God's about to do a beat down on Satan at some point. Right on? Right on. So the Antichrist gets his power from Satan. And I'm putting all this together for a reason. Remember that Satan hates you. Okay? We're trying to take a look at what's in the heart of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist gets his power from Satan. That's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9. I don't know why I wrote 9 through 20, because I know that's not correct. Is that what you got back there? Yeah, that ain't right. Been a weird afternoon. But anyway, um, it's 2 Thessalonians chapter, nine, chapter 2. We will start at verse 9, and wherever I end is wherever I end. You fill the blank. <laughs> The one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Was that just verse 9 or through 12? What was that? Through 10. All right, doesn't matter. That was, that was it, though. Uh, so Daniel tells us if there's a correlation between these two, Daniel that I just read and then 2 Thessalonians. Daniel told us that the Antichrist was going to succeed through the might of Satan's power of deception. Okay, uh, The Antichrist is going to be empowered by Satan's, get this, entire arsenal of deceit. Satan's really, he's the father of lies, Remember? In fact, the Bible teaches us there ain't even an ounce of truth in him. And this Antichrist, who's going to come off as the most truthful, honest, loving, attractive, charismatic person that's ever marched on the planet that people are going to be drawn to, is going to be filled with all the power of Satan's deceptive abilities. That's, a, that's pretty profound. How much power? Is going to be in and on the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. All power for what? Signs and wonders, false wonders, and goes on to say, and all deception. 
So he's not just going to have some of Satan's power. He's going to have all of Satan's power for signs and wonders, false wonders. Let me keep adding that. Signs and false wonders and all of the power of Satan's deceptive abilities. The Antichrist is going to be endowed with that. Now remember how I said that Satan, I've said this a few times, he simply counterfeits what God does. He, he does an antith- he's an anti-God. He has an anti-Messiah. Everything is just a counterfeit. As though if you were to say, say a coin, God is head, Satan is tails. I mean, it's just, all right? Uh, and so it will happen again with the Antichrist. You see, we in our Christianity, we believe in a holy trinity, Right? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Satan's going to counter that with an unholy trinity. There'll be Satan, who, uh, uh, then there'll be the Antichrist, and then there'll be the false prophet. Okay, we haven't mentioned the false prophet yet. Um, and the false prophet will be the one that goes about doing these amazing signs and wonders. And uh, it's believed that the false prophet will actually rise up as one of the great religious leaders of our time, who's probably already a religious leader of our time. And he will be endued with the power of Satan as well to do signs and wonders and healings. There's going to be healings and miracles and things that are going to look so... Remember, it's a counterfeit to God. You've got to be really skilled to tell a counterfeit dollar bill, for example. You better be really skilled to tell the counterfeit Messiah against the real Messiah. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because, I mean, it's going to be miracles and signs and wonders and healings, the like of which this generation has never seen. We've heard about it. We've read about it in books from previous generations, but we ourselves have not seen some of the things that are going to take place through this unholy trinity. Okay? So the unholy trinity, Satan, who's the counterfeit God, the Antichrist, the counterfeit Son, and the false prophet, who's the counterfeit Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders or healings are going to be so remarkable that people are going to believe it's the real thing. It's the good thing. In fact, all of those, let me say this nicely, All of those wonderful Christians who chase after moves of God from one conference to the next conference to this revival to that revival, hoping to get just a little flavor of what's happening there to bring it back to their specific arena are going to be fooled because they're so used to chasing after a move of God instead of chasing after the God of the movement. All right? And this is going to look like a, a move of God unlike this planet. Maybe not that unlike this planet has ever seen, but unlike anything this generation or anyone living has ever seen in their lifetime. They've only heard about it, and now it's happening right here, right here in Breckenridge, right here in St. Louis, right here in Alma, right here in Greshick County. Can you believe it? Did you hear about the dead guy who got raised? Did you hear about the person who, who was blind and they, they well, what have I said for years? Y'all have heard me say, oh, I look forward to the day when we have a church service and the blind eyes are open and the deaf ears are unstopped and the, the mute tongue sings praises to God and the person who's never walked leaps up out of the wheelchair and dances around the house. I'm going to quit looking for it. If God wants to bring it, let God bring it. I still believe in signs and wonder, but I ain't chasing after that. 
I'm chasing after the God who does it. Amen? And that's what I want you to do, to chase after the God who does those things. Then you won't be so easily fooled, but you're still susceptible. Susceptible. So we need to be ready. You know, Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, that there'll be many false prophets and many false Christs that will show up on the horizon. Many. What's that mean when it says false Christs? False prophets, they're going to appear to be true, the true stuff because of the stuff that they're doing. Remember, Satan simply twists God's stuff just a little to make it still seem like God's stuff. Satan comes to us as an angel of representing himself as one of God's emissaries. Are you kidding? He's going to be so empowered at that time, it's going to, especially when the restrainer steps out of the way, whatever that really looks like. So I'm sharing all this with you because this is why we need to be ready. This is why we need to be prepared, that at least there'll be some of us who can't say, I never heard that, or I wasn't told that, or boy, I, I got caught by surprise. So we need to be able to stand firm in our faith, because the, t- the things that are going to be taking place in the end days will challenge your ability to be stalwart, firm, and strong. We need to be ready to make a defense for the faith. In other words, we need to be well-versed in our faith. I've pushed you and pushed you and prodded you and poked you for the eight years that I've been here to keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and your bodies in the house of God. Because you are going to have to be well-versed in the things of faith, the scriptures of faith. There may come a day when they burn our Bibles. Okay? It's happening in China right now. Okay? Don't think it's not happening. Just because it's not happening in America, and after all, this Americanized way of thinking is it'll never happen here. That's tomfoolery. That's foolishness. So, let's go to Daniel. Are we in Daniel? We're in Daniel now. Good. So, verses, oh, it must have been 9 through 12, not 9 through 20. I just left the one out because now there it is. Um, 9 through 12. I'm going to read it. Daniel chapter 8, verses 9 through 20. Now, this is kind of one of those obscure seemingly veiled passages of Scripture from Revelation because the subtitle on chapter 8 is the vision of a ram and a goat. All right? So let's kind of just take a few minutes to break this down because, again, we're, I'm trying to, to uh, help you understand tonight what's in the heart of this Antichrist, this person who's going to show up on the scene very possibly in your lifetime, who's going to look like the real Messiah, He's going to look like something you guys have just been waiting to see tangibly instead of just having to have faith in the unseen. And it's going to freak people out, except for those who are prepared and can go, that's not God. You better be so dialed into the Holy Spirit to be able to look at what the Antichrist is doing and go, "Mm, that's not God. Because the average Christian is going, it's God! You ready? 
Everybody all right? All right, good. Verse 9, chapter 8, and out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great. So he started out small, and he grew gradually in his greatness. He started out small, and he grew gradually in his influence. You see, Satan is deceptive enough and smart enough to know he can't just show up on the scene. He's got to work and weave himself into society in such a way that people don't even know they've been seduced by the snake. And he's done that in part by deceiving the very church, the Lord's church. There's so much of the world and the flesh and satanic stuff in God's God, supposedly God's church today, it is mind-blowing. So he's already infiltrated, comes in covertly. The little horn exceeds, grows in his power toward the south, toward the east, toward, and toward the glorious land. Where's the glorious land? Israel, Jerusalem. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Anybody recognize what that's talking about? Remember the story about his tail took one-third of the stars? He even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts. Now, this is going to happen at the abomination of desolation halfway through the tribulation period. Now, this is important because, listen, I'm about to relate something from Daniel over 2,000, I think 2,500 years ago or so to something that's happening right now. And verse 10, and it grew up to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. The daily sacrifices is talking about worship of God. And the place of his sanctuary is talking about a house of worship. So let me just transliterate it. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the worship of God was taken away, and even the places of worship were shut down. Mm, 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 mm. When I saw that, I said, Lord, take me to heaven now. Verse 12, because of transgression, remember we talked about the fact that transgression has to come to full measure. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose, remember daily sacrifices is worship of God, and he cast the truth to the ground. And he did all this and prospered. Now, the Antichrist starts small, and then he eventually and slowly rises to a place of ultimate power. And this is part of the vehicle of of his deception. What we're seeing currently in our society is the rise 
of the Antichrist, if not the Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit, that which sets the stage for the actual Antichrist to step in on the scene. He gets more and more power, and as he does, he seeks to remove the worship of God. (laughs) Because just like Why would he want to remove the worship of God? Because just like in the garden at creation with Adam and Eve, he still is angry and he hates you because you're the ones that get to worship God. And he still wants to be God and he still wants to be worshipped. So think about, and I don't even have to say this because you're already doing it, think about that in respect to the events that are happening in this day that we live right now. The Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist is aggressively trying to eliminate the worship of God, to shut it down. We're seeing it in the world today. Churches are still closed and or just partially opened, and they're actually trying to outlaw singing worship songs to the Lord. If that don't sound like what I just read in Daniel, I mean, that should shake you up just a little bit to see that we are seeing prophetic things unfold right before our eyes. I'm not just some doom and gloom. I'm not a doom and gloom guy, okay? But there's a passion and a mantle upon my spirit to get this to you all because I can see it unfolding right before my eyes. And you have got to wake up. We all do. Right? Daniel 8, 11 there says he's going to remove the worship of God and shut down the places of worship. That's a 2,500-year-old prophecy that's in today's headlines. Don't tell me we're not in the last days. All around us, we see the attempt to shut worship down, to close down churches. In fact, so much so that anyone who speaks truth, scriptural, Biblical truth, not political correct, political correctness. Biblical correctness is a bigot, is a hater, and is intolerant of all peoples. And we need to shut them down and even kill them. That's that's in the that's in the blood system, the systematic part of who society is becoming. Lawlessness. We kill police officers just because they're police officers. I mean, it's just, if it's not blowing your mind, you probably got your mind blown in the drug era and you have no brain anymore. So that's all I can say. So without a shadow of a doubt, I know this is not just my opinion, we have entered into the end of the age, the last days. Times are dark. And I got great news for you. They're going to get darker. It's true. I'd love to sugarcoat this. I ask God, please, please, give me a piece of candy to throw them at the end. But we don't need to sugarcoat it. We know who, we know who wins, yes, in the end. We know if you read the last chapter of the Bible, you know who wins. And if you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you win too. But let me tell you something. The casual Christian ain't going to cut it when the fire hits the pan. Not going to happen. 
So you have to decide, am I a casual Christian or am I a sold-out, lock, stock, and barrel, I'll die for Jesus Christ's disciple? Because that's what I've been trying to build here since the day I arrived. In closing, five minutes to eight, we'll get out here early. Hallelujah. God gave us his word so we can understand these things. And so we can see what's happening. Why? So that we can be guarded against being deceived. So that we not fall by the power of this deceit. And remember, the Antichrist is coming not, with just, not just with the power of deceit, but all of Satan's prowess of deception. Unlike anything any of us have ever seen or heard. It'll be mind-blowing. We need to be in a position that we not fall to the power of that deceit. And you better start praying real hard for your loved ones as well. Interceding for them, travailing for them, fasting for them, seeking God on their behalf, and of course your own. Even Scripture tells us to examine ourselves to see that we are, in fact, of the faith. What's that mean? Even the very elect could be deceived if they're not careful. Don't, let's not think that any one of us are exempt from deception. And I'm not trying to be the bearer of sad tidings, but I just don't have a sugarcoat for this. I love each one of you dearly. I love each one of you dearly. Every day that I do the 714, I say, Miss Diane and I love you. And this is why I bring this the way I do. It's because I love you. And what you're hearing, not because I'm saying it, but because of the word that it is, is a very important word. And Jesus' last words in the Bible were this. Behold, I come quickly. And I'm going to reward each one according to what he has done. So may your works be good. Amen? So all I can say is, church, let's get ready. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And you didn't sugarcoat none of Revelation. You shared the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you didn't call me to be a fancy foot and sugar coat and preacher. Lord, you have taught me over the years to be kinder and gentler. But truth is the truth no matter how you cut it. And may it cut our hearts. May it rend our hearts. May those areas of our life, Lord God, where we are still kind of riding the fence... May they be done away with, and may we be given over to you without any idols in our life. For you said you have no other gods before you, and that we are to love you with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with all of our mind and with all of our strength. And we're supposed to love our neighbor, love other people. Jesus. We ask for your grace for this journey 
grace for the things that are coming along. I pray, Lord God, that this group of people that are listening to my voice, whether physically here or with me digitally through that camera, will make a decision. I am digging into the Word on this. I don't want to be deceived. I will not be deceived. I'm going to be so full of my God and so full of my Jesus and so full of the Holy Spirit that it'll be like I'm wearing spiritual Kevlar that cannot get through. The bullets and the darts of the enemy cannot get through. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to every man. For God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above your ability to withstand it and will with the very same temptation make a way of escape for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you honor and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning.